Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam. This is Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice. I cannot even comprehend as we uh, welcome you back to Sports Open Line, second hour here on KMOX. Joe Pot with you. I cannot comprehend 60 degrees coming up later this week, though, by the way. I came in here on Friday morning, early morning for the morning show. It was... I don't know, negative four or five, with a wind chill of negative 30 degrees uh, last week, end of last week, and now we're talking about 60 degrees and rain coming up later this week. Man, just the epitome of the St. Louis weather with that forecast. Uh, back to sports, because that's what we're talking about tonight. A uh, couple of notes. The, the Battle Hawks are going to have the number one pick in the XFL supplemental draft, which will take place on New Year's Day. This is uh, players that either were not drafted in the initial draft in November or players that were not in, uh, that were ineligible previously to be drafted. I have no idea what makes them ineligible for the November draft and then makes them eligible now for the January draft. I'm not sure what had to happen in between that time, but. The Battlehawks have the first pick in that draft as they try to finish out, uh, fulfill their roster, fill out their roster for the start of their season. And it's a, it's like a fantasy football draft. It's a snake style draft. So the Rams, the Ram, look at that, the Rams, the Battlehawks will select first and then they'll select last and then first back and forth. However many right now it says that each team will finish the draft with 66 players that will join them then in the training camp. So that's what the Battlehawks have for New Year's Day. They've got the first pick in that supplemental draft. Uh, can We can get into a little bit of the Carlos Correa situation because it continues, even though we really haven't heard much. We haven't had uh, nothing really publicly, but there still is uh, some stuff out there. I've read a couple of things kind of looking in. Uh, John Heyman is a columnist for the New York Post, but he's also... One of our Odyssey Sports uh, insiders covers baseball for Odyssey Sports. So kind of looking and seeing what he had to say about the Carlos Correa situation. And it all seems to center around, and nobody knows for sure, by the way. It's just we've been told it's something that is basically historical, like within his records or something that is, you know, causing that red flag, that alarm to go off, whatever the case. That's what San Francisco killed his deal over. 
It looks like, at least at this point, the Mets aren't yet ready to completely kill the deal, but they are also raising the red flag, raising concerns over, it looks like, again, that it is something to do with his uh, lower leg, his lower right leg, and he had surgery. He repaired a broken leg to have a broken leg repaired in 2014 when he was still playing minor league baseball. Here's what's interesting about that, though. He hasn't missed any time. That has not caused him to spend time on the injured list. So, And and it's not anything that is hidden. It's not like it was some secret surgery. It was known. So I wonder what they're seeing or what signs they're seeing. I mean, I don't, I don't know what they're looking at. Are they seeing, is the leg weakened? Like, is there something that points to the fact that there is trouble to come? Because it hasn't given him trouble to this point. He's not missed the time to this point from that injury or really any other injuries to make that something that you would expect to cause issue, to sort of raise the concerns that have been raised by both the Giants and now the New York Mets that, again, they're saying everything I'm reading, they're saying that it doesn't look like they're going to scrap the deal. There's a possibility they could rework the deal. So maybe it's going to be for a lower average value, uh, you know, shorter term. I'm not really sure. I don't know what that means. I don't know what, you know, where, where they're thinking. I've read something that Carlos Correa is not interested in reworking that deal for the uh, with the Mets. It was a $315 million deal with the Mets. Uh, the deal with the Giants was supposed to be uh, 12 years. No, the Mets was 12 years, $315 million. The Giants was, I think, a 13-year deal that was a little bit more money than that. So I, I, it's it still remains a strange situation. And I don't know what to make of it. I don't know where it's going to come. There's another article actually in the post, in the New York Post today, talking about an issue that he had when he slid into a bag last year on September 20th, and he said he felt some numbness. So maybe it's something like that. Maybe it it is residual effects that just haven't kind of manifested until this point. Again, I have no idea what they're seeing, what they're looking at. Uh, I wouldn't even know if I was looking at x-rays or records. What would be able to be that red flag for me? It is such a strange situation, though, uh, and it's odd to me to expect that if the Giants see something that raises concern, why don't the Mets? Matt Pajeski's our produ- our producer tonight uh, behind the board, and he said that to me earlier. Why why would you expect that the Mets are not going to find that same deal? Right? Just because it's different doctors, do they do they interpret records differently? Do they interpret and maybe they do x-rays differently or whatever they're looking at. I don't even know, you know, what consists of, is it like that permanent record, that file folder that the doctor sticks in your door when you're at the doctor's office and it just follows you from place to place. So aren't they looking at the same information? That's sort of the questions that come up. So I don't know. I think it'll be interesting, really interesting to follow what happens with Carlos Correa and does he sign somewhere? Is it for, this kind of length of time, 12 years, 13 years, 10 years. Uh, what does he accept? Because it's got to be something that they agree on, right? And it's clear that he was looking for that longer deal. He had signed with the twins. He opted out 
looking to cash in, looking for big money for many years, and he's already had one team pass on him who thought he thought he had a deal with, and now he's in jeopardy of having another team at worst pass on him and maybe at best rework that deal. So it's a little bit shorter. But again, what I read earlier today is he's not interested in reworking that deal with the Mets. So, and I don't know if they've discussed a different deal and it's just specifically that deal, or if he's just flat out not taking a shorter deal or or less money or whatever the case is. We'll have to wait and find out and see where that leads. Uh, If you want to join the show later on in this seven o'clock hour, we may have some time for some calls. At least right now, you can certainly text in uh, anything that's on your mind, especially with regards to maybe where the blues sit right now as they come back from holiday break. Uh, Certainly college basketball, whether it's Mizzou or it's uh, Illinois. Is Illinois worrying you now after the Mizzou result? Is Mizzou making you more confident after the bragging rights result? Is St. Louis worrying you? You can text in on any of those, 314-436-7900. Again, I might have time for some calls in the uh, last segment tonight, but uh, right now, just uh, send your text in if you want to get in here on Sports Open Line. You can also tweet at me, Joe underscore pot. So tweet at me if you'd like to be involved in the show as well. We are going to talk a little soccer coming up here uh, in our next section, the uh, next segment, rather, we're going to visit with Charles Boehm, and uh, his work is all over the place. We'll get into the national team. We're definitely going to get into some St. Louis City as they get closer to their season as well, uh, and we'll talk to him when we come back. On the other side of the break, it's Sports Open Line on a Tuesday night. I'm Joe Pot. This is KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
Joe Pod back in on KMOX. Sports Open Line continues here on a Tuesday night. Glad you're along as we kind of get you through this uh, post, but well, sort of a post-holiday week. It's like the it's like the mid-holiday week. So we're post-Christmas and Hanukkah. We're getting into uh, New Year. Not there yet. So we'll get you through this week as we can. Joe Pod in for Matt Pauley uh, tonight. Happy you're along with us. Happy to have the next guest along with us as well. He's Charles Boehm. He is, uh, you can find his work at many spots, including MLSsoccer.com. On Twitter, it's at C Boehm, B-O-E-H-M. Charles, thank you so much for taking some time tonight. Oh, what a, what a pleasure to be on. I can tell the uh, the excitement is growing steadily out there in St. Louis as we get closer to uh, opening day. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and I want to get into that. So we're going to get into some St. Louis City in a bit. I want to start with uh, the U.S. men's national team as we're coming off the World Cup, uh, getting to the knockout stage with one of the youngest rosters in the tournament. Is Do, do we consider this a successful World Cup? Do we consider it a nice progress do we consider it to be progress and obviously it's progress from not getting into the tournament the last time but where do you kind of rate uh the performance and and what this team did you know i've had a lot of discussions uh with with people in american soccer about this very topic over the last few weeks and uh and i think you know there, there's a, a lot of different ways of looking at it on the one hand yes the, 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 i think the uh, the team themselves had placed you know, advancing to the group stage or out of the group stage and into the knockout phase as their sort of minimum expectation for themselves. They felt like that was, that was a must for them. And they did that. Uh, and then they, I think there was a wall, you know, you hit a wall and, and you, you see the potential of the group. And then you also see the gap that exists between the United States. And really a lot of countries are in the United States' position here. There is a significant gap into that elite, right? So the U.S. is up to, I believe, 13th or thereabouts. I think officially they finished right around the same place in terms of formal placements of the, the 2022 World Cup. Um, but, you, you know, you, you play teams that are in that top, you know, seven, eight. Uh, it's it's a it's a really, really high level of play. You have to really have your eye together. And, um, and so in a lot of ways, this was, you know, this was a step forward. But there are plenty of people who have the longer view that will remind you that, that there was a lot of work was done and a lot of, of sort of climbing had to be done just to get back to where we were in 2014 and 2010. In 2002, you know, that's still the, the high watermark is the quarterfinal run. So um, so it's tough. It's a, it, Even as you make progress in this cycle, it's a reminder of how much ground was lost back in the 2018 cycle. So can you, can they move forward uh, with Greg Berhalter as the head coach, do they move forward? Whether they can or not, do you believe that that that, that is the path forward? Well, we we wait to see with uh, with bated breath. You know, mm-hmm. they're right right at hard in the wake of the the exit from the tournament. Some reports came up, and there was a lot of chatter about the conversations that had already begun between Berhalter and the federation. And it, you know, we should re- remind everyone that. We're not entirely sure who makes this decision as to whether he stays or goes. And, and uh, he himself, I think, wants to see what else is out there um, because uh, four years is a long time. And his methodology, his mindset, I think, is a little bit more um, uh, better suited to the club and game where you're seeing players every day. Right. And you have right. a, you're more able to do long term type of projects. But, you know, his former national team teammates like Ernie Stewart, Brian McBride are leading the process. It seems that there was discussions. I think they got a little stung by the reporting on that conversation having already begun and, and the, well, I had heard chatter that they had already made him a contract offer 
to get him to stay another four years. Now, a, a statement was subsequently released after those reports emerged by Ernie Stewart saying that, that they've, there will be a cooling down period. They are taking stock. Nothing is decided as yet. So it can be very difficult. Um, U.S. soccer workings and politics can be opaque uh, at times. So uh, I have a feeling that Greg Berhalter wants to see what else is out there. But I think everyone knows and has been saying for some time, this is a very desirable job when you look at the World Cup coming to this continent, this group of young players maturing another four years, and the possibilities and the ceiling lifting for the program. Yeah, I, I feel like that as well. And I, I obviously with the, you know, coming here to the, to North America um, the next time, but I as well, just with the roster, the way it is to, you know, we're talking about, like I said, one of the youngest rosters in the current, in this last uh, rendition of the tournament. Um, and so just with those particular players moving on with the, with our moving forward, I should say, not moving on from the team moving forward and with, you know, what's to come in U.S. soccer. I do certainly think it's a desirable job, maybe more so than it's been, you know, in recent years. So I'm, I am really interested to see kind of what happens, uh, where that goes. So let's shift gears to the MLS, uh, to St. Louis city. That's what, uh, kind of, we've, uh, been talking about certainly around here for, you know, all of last summer, as we finally got to see a product on the field with St. Louis city Two. Um, finally got to open city park in November. And now of course we're getting to regular season and, and the real thing coming up here. So the draft most recently, a couple midfielders drafted by the club, including Johnny Klein from down the street here at St. Louis university. Um, but as they get into camp and as they start to put together the roster that is going to open this season, it's more than just here are the best of the best players of this group, right? There's a, there's sort of a science that goes into constructing an MLS roster. Is that correct? Most definitely. And I think you have here, you know, you have the standard expansion process, the, the various sort of levers of team building, and then you have the overarching philosophy of what this team wants to be and, or what it's, what its creators want it to be. And, uh, and you have, you know, kind of a mix of international experience and perspective uh, in Fonage Seal, um, you know, and Carnell. And then you also have, you know, a little bit of knowledge of the domestic scene and the unique vagaries of an MLS roster where you, you have to pull from different buckets and you also have to have different tiers of players who can provide different services or sort of fill different needs at different price points um, because it is all about maximizing every dollar uh, on that salary budget. And is this something where the, you know, how much do they utilize the developmental league side, the, the city two team um, when thinking like as this, as a whole program, as opposed to just the MLS side? Yeah. You know, I'll say, I have to admit, I have some questions about Lutzfan and Steel's approach. I'm a little concerned about whether they have one, if they have enough MLS experience in the roster, yeah. which can be very important in an expansion season, and whether they have enough high-end talent, because we know this is going to be a high-pressing team. To borrow the old phrase from the Real Salt Lake sides of uh, you know of, of the their heyday about a decade ago, the team is the star. They don't want it to be a personality-driven. They don't want to have anybody who's a superstar on a different level. I get all that, um, but I, I, I do have some doubts or some questions that you know to see whether this all works in practice. One thing I do love about what City has done is getting that year head start in so many ways, right? You cannot prepare for life in MLS. You know, there's certain things that you just have to experience, but 
what they did control the controllable of getting the you know the, the two team uh, playing games, creating those connections with fans, starting to you know build a player evaluation process, a methodology, a way of working, and a, and a pipeline really in the grand scheme. Right, there's a lot that has to be built. There's going to be a, an academy that's going to filter in, and you, you know you hopefully have that that part of the, the the puzzle. Maybe not yet, but soon. But having the two team, I think, is is going to really help them because they already know players. They've got a little bit of a culture set up already. And we forget uh, originally, and when it was awarded, that this team was going to was originally scheduled to begin play in the 2022 season. They delayed that a year, and the benefit of that may very well be the things that that you were just talking about. For sure, I mean, there's just there's so many. Um, there's so many logistical and just everyday things that go into not just running a team or fielding a team, but an organization. I mean, even if you look at, you know, I know there was some, uh, there was some electrical issues around the stadium, right? right. Around city park. And that was certainly frustrating, but Hey, how, thank goodness you've got a few months, you know, you've got a little bit of a, of a cushion that you've given yourself or, or had to give yourself because of the pandemic that you're able to, to kind of work through those issues. And there are teams that have not had that. I mean, I, I can tell you I'm based here in Washington, DC, and when Audi Field opened in the middle of 2018 season, uh, a lot of extra money went towards overtime just because, you know, you're, you're doing a midseason open and then on the field you're trying to tread water until Wayne Rooney and the, you know, comes and the stadium opens. And, you know, there's teams that have kind of had to, had to do things in midstream. I think St. Louis is in a better position, though, you know, even if it's not a, the original plan. Um, they're able to kind of weather and, and deal with, uh, you know, some of the, at least to, to the extent that you can try and be prepared for unforeseen stuff. So uh, very, very interesting. Um, this is a, a unique, somewhat unique expansion, I think, journey that City is on, and it's going to be very interesting to watch. Charles Boehm with us here on the Quiver River guest line. And uh, again, you can find his pieces all over the place. A recent piece at ussoccerplayers.com talking about the best games on the U.S. or on the MLS schedule, I should say, and a couple of them are going to be right here in St. Louis at City Park. Uh, the Charlotte game, of course, that's opening. That's a home opening date for St. Louis on March 4th. But also you mentioned the Sporting KC's first visit here on uh, May 20th, and you just spoke about, and we you, you mentioned it earlier too, just you know what the fan support's going to be like because this really is – Soccer coming home, sort of, uh, as far as, you know, its U.S. roots. Finally a uh, top-level pro team back here in St. Louis. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, um, I look forward to your perspective on it, and I look forward to interacting with, with uh, St. Louis fans because it's such an interesting contrast. It's a little bit puzzling from the outside. You have such deep roots for this game. You have such an incredible history. I, I think in that piece I referred to St. Louis as the cradle of the American game. And, you know, it's an incredible backdrop, right? And I know from talking to people and, and writing stories about players like Josh Sargent and, and, uh, and Tim Ream and so many others, what an inc- how deeply woven into the community the sport is. And, yet yeah, that d- didn't necessarily sh- show in the, the history of the professional game. You know, there's been some comings and goings and, and a lack of stability. And I think there's so many factors that go into that right but it's so interesting to have this new project in this very old soccer city um and you know we, we know mls has wanted to be there for a long time right and i think it's uh it took a while but it's all worked out great in the sense of the facilities that are there the location of of having not only your stadium but your training facility right in the heart of downtown and, and maybe be there at the start of something special that's happening in that neighborhood uh it's really really intriguing and and uh now we see we have to be i have to be a bit bearish about on the field results right because that sure. is 
the norm in terms of expansion. Um, but there's going to be so many storylines, and I think there will be certainly a significant amount of national attention and national spotlight put towards you know breaking in that facility, starting to build this new culture in this uh, in this uh, cradle of the game. Uh, final couple of things here for Charles Boehm. Uh, it's it's been a tough couple of months just in the soccer community. You lose um, some really big people in the game. Certainly Grant Wall, uh, a fellow writer, and Kevin Payne, someone I know you had a lot of dealings with. One of the original founders, founding a partner of of DC United, but uh, just kind of losing some big personalities and and a big piece of this game, or big pieces, I should say, of this game. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, I think we, we've all probably even beyond soccer, right? We, we've had a tough few years and when you get to December and take stock, you, you feel maybe a sense of exhaustion, right? Sometimes that, that seems to outweigh other stuff. And I certainly have felt that. I mean, I think when you, you go to a World Cup, um, I was fortunate enough to cover the 2014 World Cup, at least the U.S.'s involvement in it. And when you come back from an event like that, there's a little bit of a hangover and a, and a you know, a um, a recovery process, uh, and then to have that happen, you know, in the, the different time of year, and then have have some of the losses we've had. I mean, you know, the game will go on, and the, and the game is always marching forward. Um, but I think there's a generational shift underway, and and um, more than ever, I think not just in MLS, but in in North American soccer as a whole, um, we always do well. I think to to take stock and and take an extra moment to reflect on what's been done in the past, the grounds that's been covered the people that have contributed and those, those stories and, and, uh, and people that we lose along the way. So, uh, so yeah, it's um, a heavy, heavy time. I think, um, although those of us that were able to, to take part in grants, uh, the celebration of grants life uh, in New York city last week, um, you know, it helped, helped a great deal to, to sort of get the, everyone together and, and the, to reflect in that way. Charles Boehm, thanks so much for taking some time tonight to talk some uh, soccer with us here on KMOX. Uh, wish you a great the rest of the holiday season, a very happy new year, and uh, hopefully see you coming up in the spring at City Park sometime. Yeah, I can't wait to get out there for a game, and, and good luck on these uh, this final countdown here. That is Charles Boehm. He is at MLSsoccer.com, USsoccerplayers.com, uh, and at, uh, at C. Boehm, C-B-O-E-H-M on Twitter. More to come here on Sports Open Line as we roll on on a Tuesday night. I'm Joe Pott. This is Camo X. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Your home of the Cardinals. Arnado swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of here. The Billikens. Jumper. Yes! Billikens win! The Chiefs. Touchdown! Kansas City! We are America's sports voice. KMOX. 
back in on a Tuesday night. Joe Pot with you in for Matt Pauly tonight. Glad you're along with us as we continue things here on Sports Open Line here on KMOX. Uh, did you see that the Miami Dolphins have put their quarterback, Tuet Tagaviola, back into uh, concussion protocol? And I say back because if you recall earlier in the season, he had been in concussion protocol. He came out for a he can't he was cleared or he was activated. It was that Thursday night game, and then he took that brutal hit in that Thursday night game, went back into the protocol. Now this says the the article I'm reading right now in ESPN said it's the second time this season he's been in protocol. So actually I guess the first time he wasn't that's that was what it was. I think the initial hit came against the Buffalo Bills, if I recall correctly. He did not go into concussion protocol despite clearly being uh, kind of out of sorts on the TV broadcast. You could see that this guy was not all with it. They let him play that Thursday night game. He took another hit, and that's when he went uh, went into concussion protocol. Um, And, of course, I'm reading quotes from... Uh, Josh McDaniel talking about uh, it's going on the information. They care about each and every single player. They take it very seriously. But I think that there is some serious question that can be right. Really? Do you really take it seriously? I mean, I think that all came up earlier this year. Um, you know, in, in October is when it was actually. I'm I'm reading the rest of the article, looking down farther in the article. But, I mean, this guy is 24 years old. And he has been knocked out a couple of, at least a couple of times, officially a couple of times this year, right? So he's been in the concussion protocol a couple of times this year. But when you go back to the initial hit against uh, the Buffalo Bills, he's at least been knocked out, like physically knocked out more than that, like three times this year. And my gosh, like you're already here. You hear all the time about the players that suffer from CTE and the things that, um, you know, what causes, whether it's end of life or things that happen to those players very close to end of life. And you can't tell if they have suffered from CTE until that player has passed away. And so now we're looking at a kid, a literal kid, 24 years old, that has been in concussion protocol several times this year as a pro. Now that is not to say, I I would have to go look to see how many times he has suffered concussions or been in a protocol of any kind in college, because that is a real possibility as well. And it's only been probably, I would say in the last 10 years when they have really been, at least that, that I have really seen much more of the full on concussion protocols. Okay. And you, you start talking about there is an actual process there's policies in place and what happens is and I can tell you this at least at the college level for sure is that student athletes are put through a baseline of tests this happens early in the school year so you have this baseline of tests on how they react on everything all these mental capabilities and then you put them through those same tests after they have suffered a concussion or when you believe they have suffered a concussion. That's why they call those baselines. Now you have something to compare those to. And now you have an actual protocol that you're going through, an actual process, procedures to get that player back to game ready. 
But I think that's only been, like I said, in the past 10 years that they've had that full-on strict protocol. So prior to that, and I'm not saying that they were just letting anybody play despite any kind of injuries, um, but you didn't have, you were basically going on, how do you feel? Are you feeling headaches? Are you still having dizzy spells? Are you still, you know, seeing the floaters? All those kind of things, which are all still part of it. It is all still part of that protocol is how a player feels, what kind of symptoms they are reporting to the coaching staff, the athletic training staff, those kind of things. But to have this actual policy in place, that's a whole different story. I mean, I remember back in probably the early 2000s, and you're talking about uh, a catcher that takes a backswing right to the helmet, and they're feeling a little bit of uh, the uh, symptoms of a concussion. I mean, how many of those do we think Yadier Molina has taken over the years? But I don't think there was anything specifically in place at that point. It was just more of, we're monitoring the person. We're monitoring monitoring that athlete to see how they are, to see when they're ready to come back. No longer experiencing. That's what we heard all the time, right? No longer experiencing symptoms. That was sort of your baseline is, okay, those symptoms have passed. But there wasn't the baseline of tests and then the second round of tests and or third round of tests that you're actually looking at something tangibly. You actually have some sort of results. So point being that at 24 years old, how many more shots to the head has Tua taken than we actually have documented, that we actually have him in protocol for? We know for sure it's twice this year in protocol. We know for sure that there is at least that hit against the Bills for a third time. So, uh, man, just it's, it's really scary, and you wonder whether it's all worth it, right? You wonder that... Um, if he were to continue to play how much the quality of life down the road, even after he's retired or after he's finished with football, how much the quality of life suffers and certainly how much, uh, you know, how much it's worth it. That's all. It's just a, it's a tough situation I think for him and it's a scary situation. And again, this, he's 24 years old. He turns 25 in March, next March. So playing his 24 you know, playing his age 24 season here and he's taken some tough hits already. And uh, that is just a, I mean, I, how does he, how does he come back to play again this year? That's really, I mean, it, it seems like it, it doesn't make a lot of sense for him to come back and play again this year after suffering uh, what he has suffered already. So that's my soapbox there. If you want to get in on the program, you still can do that. We have one more segment to go here on sports open line, three, one, four, four, three, six, seven, nine hundred. At least uh, we'll we'll open the phones, I guess, for this last segment. If you do want to call in, uh, like to stick to, like I said, college basketball, maybe the Blues. Uh, The Blues are losing, by the way, right now after a period of play. They're down 2-1 to the Leafs over at Enterprise Center. But I'd really be interested to know kind of what your thoughts are going into conference play for our uh, for local basketball teams, whether it's uh, Mizzou starts SEC play tomorrow. Illinois actually doesn't get into Big Ten play till the new year, but we can talk about the Illini as well. St. Louis University gets started on uh, New Year's Eve day. So where do you sit on some of these teams? Feeling good? Not feeling as good? We can talk about it coming up the last segment here of Sports Open Line on a Tuesday night. I'm Joe Pott. This is KMOX. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam. You bet. 
This is Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice. Kansas City KMOX. Joe Pot back in on Sports Open Line here on a Tuesday night. Nathan Evaldi has agreed to a two-year, $34 million contract with the Rangers, but it's pending a physical, which honestly never meant much to me. I'm not even I'm not even kidding. I never I get pending a physical, uh, but I did not foresee it scrapping a whole deal as it is already done to Carlos Correa and may do a second time to Carlos Correa. Now, I mentioned Nathan Avaldi because, uh, you know, I've heard and seen some social media that maybe someone that maybe the folks wanted the Cardinals to take a flyer on someone like a Nathan Avaldi. Uh, two years, 34 million. It's not a huge amount of money. It does include a third year player option uh, performance bonuses, as you would expect. So I don't know that that kind of deal certainly makes sense to me that it's not uh, there's not a lot of uh, risk there. Uh, Money-wise, certainly, I'm never worried about uh, spending money. I think that is what was, um, I think that was what was indicated by the uh, Cardinals signing of Wilson Contreras, right? Because the price was money. The price was not prospects and the future. And the Cardinals are always going to be more willing to spend money. I know you're going to get on me about another not willing to spend money, but they're more willing to spend money than they are to spend prospects they tend to value their prospects maybe sometimes to a fault so I'm never worried about money and above all it's not my money anyway so I'm certainly not worried about spending someone else's money so that deal I don't know maybe it would have made sense but it's off the table now because he signed a deal with the uh, Texas Rangers I do personally uh, I hope that the Cardinals still have something left to do I'm not terribly worried about where they are at this point in time though and I think that if it's you know if it's something that takes into spring training I still think and I go back to the last time I sat here and did sports open line the um, holiday special around Thanksgiving that we aired and what I was saying then both those times is I'm still wanting more pitching that's really kind of where I land with the Cardinals at this point I like the lineup I think that the lineup is very good. I think it's um, probably right in line where last year's was, and certainly uh, you didn't expect that second half out of Albert Pujols, but I think that Wilson Contreras sort of gives you a lot of, uh, you know, what what you expected Albert Pujols to get you, and even maybe more than what you expected, maybe not all the way to what you got. I get it. That second half was fantastic. It was crazy, but it does give you a, a boost in that lineup as well, and I like the two main options that I believe are going to be at the DH spot. Nolan Gorman from the left side, Juan Yepes from the right side. And we know that Juan Yepes can hit right and left-handed pitching too. Um, You've got a guy like Paul DeYoung who could come off the bench in certain situations or be your DH. I think it's certain situations. Um, I mean, if he really gets hot, if something really gets going, you know, he's probably going to be spending a lot more time at shortstop. I think for right now, and John Mosaic said it, Tommy Edmonds, the shortstop. I think that you pencil in Brendan Donovan as your second baseman. Um, your outfield is what it is and could be more than what it is. And I say that because Tyler O'Neill is the question mark in that situation right there. He has to be better than last year. You, I, you have to expect he has more 
uh, playing time than last year. And by that, I mean healthy time than last year. He spent so much time on the injured list last year. I don't know if he gets back to being an MVP candidate as he was in 2021, a legitimate contender for the MVP award. But if he gets you close to that, your outfielder, your outfield is greatly improved from last year. I think that Dylan Carlson as your center fielder, the, you know, chances are he has to go up, right, production-wise. So I like the lineup. I don't like, I'm not quite confident. Let me put it that way. Not that I don't like. I'm not 100% confident that you're where you need to be depth-wise pitching. I just would rather not get to the trade deadline and have to say we need to go find an arm or two we, if, if you're the Cardinals, saying we need to find an arm or two to assure ourselves the National League Central Division, which is not very good, has not been very good. Nobody's done anything to greatly improve themselves in the National League Central Division. The Cubs have made some improvements. Milwaukee's made some changes. I think it remains to be seen if they're improvements. So to say that as a club, they've got to go get a pitcher or two to get yourselves to the top of the National League Central, which may or may not get you out of that first round of the playoffs. We saw it didn't this past year in 2022. Now, if you are a if you have a better record at as a division winner, you have a chance to get right to the division series. But it certainly doesn't guarantee you to get out of the division series. So that's where I'd prefer that they be, but I don't know if they are going to be. Um, still interested. If you, we have a couple more minutes here, if you want to uh, give me your ideas on college basketball, where it stands. Joe Lenardi, I mentioned, said that you know the the key to why conference season is so great is road games. I think why conference season is so great is because everybody knows everything that everyone is going to do. If you are a college basketball coach, you are scouting your opponent. And certainly once you get, I think that it's usually like the last three games. That's usually what coaches are exchanging. And sometimes, most of the time, it's a requirement in the league. You give the last three games to your opponent, right? So you get two or three games into conference season. And when I'm scouting opponent A, who's playing opponent B, well, guess what? I'm going to play opponent B as well. So I'm scouting these teams. I'm seeing these teams so many times to the point that, you're not even you can't even use the same play calls because coaches already know what you're going to call. They know what you're going to call, they know when you make your calls, and I think it just becomes this gigantic chess match and it's why you see all of these conference games go down to the wire. And even games that you maybe don't expect to go down to the wire or go to overtime, and they do because these coaches, uh players know one another, the teams know one another, and as I said, the coaches know both of these teams, all of these teams so well by the time you get midway through that conference season. And that's why I think that conference college basketball season is just fantastic. And I am willing to watch just about any conference basketball game. If it comes on TV, I'm probably going to watch it if I'm not calling a game of my own. Um, But it's going to be really interesting to see if Mizzou can carry this momentum from the bragging rights from picking up 11 wins in the non-conference season, if they can carry that into SEC play, can they come out? Nine wins gets them to 20 wins, and it's that at that point it obviously is going to depend on who are those nine wins, right? Who are you beating in the SEC? Um, and as Joe Lenardi said, if you do get to double digits, 
then chances are you've probably ticked off a couple of those teams that you needed to get, that you needed to win, that you needed to beat, and you're feeling more comfortable about your position in the tournament. Right now, Mizzou is a number nine in the Columbus region. Illinois is a number seven in the Birmingham region. Uh, that's the latest bracketology today. Uh, St. Louis is not in. SIUE is in, but SIUE is in because they have the most wins in the Ohio Valley Conference going into conference play. They would be the automatic qualifier, They, although they are in as a number 15 seed. And as Joe Lenardi said, they've been there. But again, I think they've mostly been in that field, in that bracketology, because they are in the spot. Uh, they have the top spot in the Ohio Valley Conference as far as number of wins. But all of these teams getting into conference play here coming up this week. The Ohio Valley Conference is intriguing, not just for me because I work at SIUE, but here locally you've got Lindenwood in the Ohio Valley Conference, Southeast Missouri in the Ohio Valley Conference as well. And it's a team that used to, it's a league that used to have Murray State and Belmont ruling the roost. They were at the top of the league. They're out. That makes the Missouri Valley Conference even more interesting as well. Seen Bradley this year in person, seen Illinois State this year in person, both really good. Bradley especially. Drake is very good as well. They gave SLU a big game at Chaffetz Arena as well. So the Missouri Valley Conference, it's always a good one. It's going to be one to watch this year as well, especially with the addition of Murray State and of Belmont. Uh, tomorrow night, it's countdown to opening day in this spot right here. Matt Pauley will be back with Mike Claiborne for that. Matt Pauley will be back later in the week as well to host Sports Open Line. Appreciate you taking the time tonight. Certainly appreciate Matt Pajeski behind the board tonight. Also booking our guest tonight. Couldn't do it without him as well. I'm Joe Pot. Keep it here. It's Camo X. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 